more and more in Latin America, left-wing leaders are openly calling for breaking with U.S. hegemony and U.S. imperialism. And we've now seen that one of the most powerful progressive politicians in all of Latin America, in the largest country in Latin America, Brazil, has been calling for creating a pan-Latin American currency to challenge the hegemony of the U.S. dollar. I'm talking about Lula da Silva. He is the former two-time president of Brazil. Many people watching this probably have heard of Lula. He, when he left office in Brazil in 2011, he was actually one of the most popular presidents in history with around an 80% approval rating. I mean, incredible. He helped to transform the country in many ways, fighting poverty, increasing representation of marginalized communities, expanding education and healthcare and social programs. There's criticisms of Lula, of course, he's not perfect, no one is. And, but at the same time, he also, when he was president of Brazil, he helped to create an independent foreign policy for Brazil and helped to create the so-called BRICS system, which is B-R-I-C-S, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, which is another way to try to challenge the hegemony of U.S. imperialism and the financial hegemony of the Washington-dominated International Monetary Fund, the IMF, and the World Bank. So Lula is trying to come back to power. There is an election coming up October 2022, and Lula is leading all of the polls. Right now it's May, and Lula is leading in all of the polls against the incumbent far-right president, Jair Bolsonaro, who only came to power because of a soft coup, a political coup d'etat backed by the United States that imprisoned Lula on bogus charges in 2018. And since then, the UN Human Rights Committee has ruled that Lula was, his rights were violated, that he was unjustly detained. The Brazilian justice system has actually thrown out the charges against him, acknowledging that they were fake, they were politically motivated. It was part of a coup backed by the US and the far-right Brazilian capitalist oligarchy to try to imprison Lula to prevent him from being presidential candidate in 2018 and to allow the fascist Bolsonaro to come into power. Well, Lula is campaigning right now, and he has promised that if he becomes president and wins the October election, which he likely will if it's free and fair, that he's going to create a pan-Latin American currency to, as he says, to free ourselves from dependence on the U.S. dollar. This is incredible. I mean, this is an absolutely huge political development. And here's an article I published at multipolarista.com. Brazil's Lula proposes creating Latin American currency to, quote, be freed of U.S. dollar, quote, end quote, dependency. And he wants to call it the Sur, which means South in Spanish. Now, of course, in Brazil, they don't speak Spanish. They speak Portuguese. And in Portuguese, they say Sul. But it's very similar. Sur, Sur means south. And this is a photo of uh, this is a photo of Lula. And this is actually a photo I had I cropped it because it was kind of distracting to have other random faces. But this is a photo back when the BRICS was founded. And this is him with the leaders of Russia and China at the time. So he was he's the founder, one of the co-founders of Brazil's Workers' Party. It's the left-wing party known as PT. And he was president for, for two terms from 2003 to 2011. Now, in a rally on May 2nd, he gave a fiery speech and Lula said, quote, we are going to create a currency in Latin America. 
because we can't keep depending on the dollar. And he said that his currency is going to be called the sur. And he also explained that <clears throat> what's interesting about this idea is that countries in Latin America will be able to continue using their own domestic currency, but for bilateral trade between countries, they can use the sur. And this is important because a lot of people don't know that not just in Latin America, but around the world, still the majority of trade is denominated in dollars. Now that percentage is decreasing. I think it's now around 70% of international transactions of trade is done in the US dollar. But uh, that number is decreasing as more and more people are using other currencies like the Chinese Yuan, the Russian ruble, the Indian rupee, and other currencies. But what's interesting is in Latin America, pretty much all trade is still done in dollars, which means that you have to exchange your currency for U.S. dollars, which strengthens the U.S. dollar. It strengthens the U.S. government, the financial system, and the Federal Reserve. And it also weakens your own currency the more and more you exchange it. So this is a way for countries in Latin America to be able to do trade with each, which, with each other by, by circumventing the U.S. dollar, the U.S. middleman, and strengthening their own domestic economies. Lula also pointed out that this could be used to help contain inflation because as we're, as with everywhere in the world right now, there is a problem with inflation in Latin America. <clears throat> he also pledged that if he wins the October election and comes back to power in Brazil, that he's going to deepen Latin American integration. This is important because under Bolsonaro, Brazil has really just become a satellite of the United States. Bolsonaro has just obediently followed whatever Washington wants for him and especially when Donald Trump was in power. And Bolsonaro has viciously attacked other countries in the region, especially those with leftist governments. Brazil has a large border with Venezuela. It's its neighbor. And Brazil has refused to recognize the legitimate democratically elected president, Nicolas Maduro. Instead, Bolsonaro still recognizes this clown Juan Guaido, who has never received a single vote in a presidential election. So Bolsonaro has also launched terrorist attacks across the Brazilian border into Venezuela, carrying out attacks, supporting attacks, terrorist attacks in Venezuela. So if Lula can come back, that's also going to help deepen Brazil's integration with other countries in the region. He would recognize the real legitimate constitutional president of Venezuela again and the U.S. coup attempt. And Brazil has the largest economy in Latin America. It is a massive powerhouse. So if Brazil can be integrated once again into this progressive movement in Latin America and be involved in a process of regional integration that can help weaken U.S. imperialism and strengthen independent progressive forces in the region that could also help their economies. Lula has also pledged to reinvigorate the BRICS system, integrating Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. In fact, he also gave a speech in which he condemned the Ukrainian Western-backed leader Zelensky and said that Zelensky has just as much blame for the war in Ukraine as Russia does. And of course, the U.S. and NATO started the war in Ukraine in 2014 by backing a violent coup in Ukraine in February 2014 that was led by fascists and far-right extremists. And Lula has been part of this movement to try to create a multipolar world to challenge U.S. unipolar hegemony and U.S. imperialism. In 2020, Lula published a call, quote, for a multipolar world, that's what it's called. And he explained that his goal is to, quote, is, quote, 
the creation of a multipolar world free from unilateral hegemony and from sterile bipolar confrontation, end quote. And, and Lula wants a world that, quote, would permit a true refounding of the multilateral order based on principles of real multilateralism in which international cooperation can truly flourish. So if you see a bunch of imperialists and just disinformation agents in the mainstream media claim that people who talk about a multipolar world are supposedly Putin fascist nonsense, that's ridiculous propaganda across Latin America. All of the leftist and progressive leaders and socialist leaders have been calling for creating a multipolar world, including Lula da Silva, one of the most influential left-wing leaders on earth. And I also talk in this article about something very important, which is another part of this history that is not that well known. The attempts by Venezuela's revolutionary former president, Hugo Chavez, who launched the Bolivarian Revolution, he also created a pan-Latin American currency, which had brief success, although, as I'll talk about in a second, unfortunately, it died out for reasons I'll explain. So Hugo Chavez created a pan-Latin American currency to, to break the dependence on the dollar, and it was called the Sucre. As I note, Lula's proposal for the Sur is definitely not the first time. For many decades in Latin America, leftist leaders have been trying to create a new currency to break with U.S. imperialism, just as Muammar Gaddafi, the, the Libyan leader who waged a revolution against colonialism and overthrew a monarchy and had a kind of socialistic model and an anti-imperialist foreign policy, who was killed, murdered in the 2011 NATO war, criminal NATO war that destroyed the country, the country of Libya. Muammar Gaddafi had also tried to create a pan-African currency based on gold, and that was one of the reasons for NATO overthrowing his government, destroying his government, murdering him brutally. And we have evidence, including documents from WikiLeaks, thanks to Julian Assange, who's a political prisoner because of this. We have documents showing that, that the right-wing French president, Nicolas Sarkozy, that he wanted to prevent Libya from creating this pan-African gold-based currency. That was one of the reasons behind the destruction of the Libyan state. And today in 2022, there is still no central government in Libya. It is still a failed state 11 years later with open air slave markets for sub-Saharan African refugees. So, pro so progressive and revolutionary leaders who try to create currencies to challenge the, U the dictatorship of the US dollar, there are very real consequences for them as we saw with the constant US coup attempts against Hugo Chavez. So, Hugo Chavez created the Sucre, the currency, as part of this economic alliance that was called, it still exists, it's called the ALBA, the Bolivarian Alliance, the ALBA. And as part of this, there, there are numerous members, and still today, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Cuba, and Bolivia are members, along with numerous countries in the Caribbean. But at that time, Ecuador and Honduras were also members of the ALBA. And of course, the U.S. backed a coup, a right-wing military coup that overthrew Honduras' democratically elected leader in 2009 and installed a right-wing puppet regime. And then in, after, um, after the progressive, the socialist president of Ecuador, uh, Rafael Correa, after he left office, there was basically a kind of soft internal coup. His former vice president, Lenín Moreno, ended up being a complete traitor backed by the U.S. And he 
removed Ecuador from the ALBA and kicked out the headquarters of UNASUR. And he basically just did whatever Washington wanted him to do to, de to derail attempts at, at Latin American regional integration, which is what the U.S. is scared of most of all. The U.S. does not want Latin America to integrate, just, just as the U.S. empire has waged brutal genocidal war on the Pan-African movement, killing, uh, torturing, kidnapping, uh, destroying any leader of the Pan-African movement. Similarly, the U.S. has been doing something very similar, waging this brutal terrorist war against leaders of the attempt to, to integrate Latin America as a bloc because the U.S. understands that divide and conquer is an effective imperial strategy. And if Latin America can unify, we're talking about over a billion people. We're talking about tons of natural resources, including oil, including agriculture, including lithium. The majority of the world's lithium is in South America. So the U.S. understands that if Latin America can unify, that would be a major threat to U.S. imperialism. And it has waged a brutal scorched earth war on any progressive and revolutionary leaders in Latin America who have been involved in these attempts to integrate the region. It's also why the U.S. backed coups, not only against Hugo Chavez, but also against Lula da Silva. Unlike Hugo Chavez, Lula da Silva is not a socialist. He's not a revolutionary. He's a progressive. But this, the U.S. still backed two different coups, political coups, against the Workers' Party, against former President Dilma Rousseff, who was the democratically elected president after Lula, and then also a coup against Lula himself to imprison him to make the fascist Bolsonaro president. Now, in 2009, the, these members of the ALBA adopted the Sucre. This is the pan-Latin American currency, and that includes Venezuela, Nicaragua, Cuba, Bolivia, and Ecuador. And you can see here the photo of these leaders in Cochabamba, Bolivia, in 2009. And this is the, the tropical region known as the Tropico. And that's where Evo Morales' base is for the, the coca movement and the campesino movement and the organized peasants and farmers and the base of his party, the Movement Towards Socialism Party. You can also, of course, see Hugo Chavez, Rafael Correa, and other leaders from Latin America and the Caribbean as well, because the Caribbean is also an important part of the Bolivarian Alliance. Now, Sucre, that term, was an acronym and in Spanish, it means the unified system for regional compensation. But it was also a reference to one of the most important South American leaders who fought in the independent struggle against Spanish colonialism named Antonio José de Sucre. And Sucre was a close ally of the revolutionary Simón Bolívar. Together, they helped to liberate South America from Spanish colonialism. So the Sucre was used by these countries to do trade with each other. And actually the main country that adopted the Sucre was Ecuador under Rafael Correa. And as I note, Correa is a trained economist and a socialist, and he has a PhD in economics. And under Correa, Ecuador did, and in other countries, but largely Ecuador was the main user. Um, Ecuador, they used the currency to do trade with Venezuela with Bolivia, with other countries. And at its peak, the Sucre was used for more than $1 billion in bilateral annual trade in Latin America. So a pretty, a pretty significant amount, not a ton, but it, it was growing in influence. But then there were several problems that emerged. First of all, 
Hugo Chavez died in 2013 in very sus suspicious circumstances. He he was in good health, and then suddenly he he got a very severe, very rare form of cancer. And there's a lot of questions about how he got that. And people in Latin America think he was likely killed. Most people in Venezuela think he was killed. I've heard so many people in Venezuela say that. But anyway, that aside, so he dies in 2013. Then in 2014, there was a massive drop, a massive decrease in commodity prices, which really hurt countries in Latin America, especially Venezuela and Ecuador, which rely a lot on oil exports. It also hurt Bolivia's economy, which relies to an extent on lithium and <clears throat> a few other natural resources. And that massive drop in commodity prices was not just a natural phenomenon of the so-called free market. It was an intentional policy backed by the U.S. government, by the Obama administration, to try to tank the economies of Russia, Iran, and Venezuela, which were very heavily dependent on oil exports. And the U.S. forced Saudi Arabia to massively overpump oil, to massively drop the price of oil. And it did a lot of damage to those economies. Also, this is around the time when when the U.S. backs the coup in 2014 in Ukraine and installs a pro-Western puppet regime that violates the rights of ethnic Russians and then tries to take over the warm water port at Crimea, which is the main uh, one of the main military bases used by Russia. And it's the it's the most important na naval fleet uh, base. Again, it's a warm water port, which Russia does not have access to. Um, and that's that's what pressured Russia to annex Crimea after having a referendum in which the majority of people in Crimea, most of whom are ethnic Russians and speak Russian, overwhelmingly voted to join the Russian Federation. And in response, the U.S. government and European Union imposed sanctions on Russia, which also caused economic problems, of course, and contributed to this drop in commodity prices. And then the U.S. imposed sanctions on Venezuela in 2015. The Barack Obama administration, before Trump, Obama declared Venezuela in, a, in an executive order a supposed extraordinary threat to the national security of the United States, an absurd declaration. And then, of course, there were many violent coup attempts backed by the U.S. against Chavez's successor, Nicolas Maduro, and that destabilized a lot of these alliances. And then you also had the rise of right-wing governments, especially in, in Ecuador. And that led the traitor Lenin Moreno, who not only betrayed his country, but also betrayed Julian Assange and, and allowed Britain to violate Ecuador's sovereignty and imprison Julian Assange on bogus charges. And now, of course, the U.S. is trying to throw Julian Assange in prison for the rest of his life for the so-called crime of doing journalism. So... When Lenin Moreno came in, he did a complete 180. He betrayed his country. He betrayed the citizens' revolution, the leftist movement created by Correa. And then he withdrew Ecuador from the ALBA, and that ended the Sucre, basically. So there was an attempt that was briefly successful to create a pan-Latin American currency to challenge the U.S. dollar, but the U.S. empire waged a brutal war using hybrid warfare, economic war, information war, any form of war it could, coups, uh, military coups, political coups, judicial coups, legal warfare through lawfare. I mean, it used every tactic it could in alliance with the right-wing capitalist bourgeois forces in Latin America to prevent Latin America from freeing itself from the dictatorship of the U.S. dollar and destroying the Sucre. So now Lula da Silva is trying to bring back this dream and of course, we'll see if the election in Brazil is going to be free and fair in October. 
if it is going to be free and fair, all the polling shows him leading over the far-right sitting President Bolsonaro, a complete fascist supporter of the Pinochet military dictatorship. And I note that the U.S. Justice Department helped support the campaign to imprison Lula, which prevented him from being the candidate in 2018, which is what, what got Bolsonaro elected. And, and Lula calls this legal warfare or lawfare. And the U.S. used the same tactic to back a 2016 political coup that impeached Brazil's democratically elected president, Dilma Rousseff, who is also a member of Lula's left-wing Workers' Party. And then finally, I'm, I'll just conclude this video noting, repeating what I said earlier. The UN right, Human Rights Committee it ruled this April that the prosecution of Lula violated his rights. This is the exact language from the legal experts on the UN Human Rights Committee. Quote, the investigation and prosecution of former President Lula da Silva violated his right to be tried by an impartial tribunal, his right to privacy, and his political rights. So Lula was a victim of a coup, and now there are many fears that with the election coming up in 2022 in October and him leaning in the polls against a fascist backed by the U.S., there are concerns that the election may not be free and fair. But if Lula wins, he says that he wants to reinvigorate the BRIC system, challenging U.S. hegemony. He wants to create a multipolar world, and he wants to create a pan-Latin American currency to challenge the dictatorship of the U.S. dollar. That is a truly revolutionary policy. And unfortunately, we've seen that the U.S. empire has punished leaders around the world who have tried to do this including by taking their lives. So Lula da Silva is a very brave man.